I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Um, oh, I should. Why am I moving the mic while I talk? It's <laughs> a fucking <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Going Out with Jake Cornell. I am Jake Cornell, and with me is my friend and co-producer, Katie Brown. I really thought you were going to say Penny Lane for a second because you were staring <laughs> right at her when you said that. Okay, wait, but I do want to start off. I was thinking about this on the train ride over. I want to start off this episode by saying, if you are listening to this podcast right now, pause it and go write a review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify and or whatever app you're listening to. It helps us out so much. I realize I have never once since we started releasing episodes asked the followers to do this. But if you listen to this podcast, everyone today, go leave us a review. It would, if everyone did it who was listening right now, it would bump us up so huge. It'd be such a great help. Um, I should have been asking earlier, but I forgot. I just posted about it on social media. But really, everyone, just take a quick second. And here's my thought. Either just leave a five star. Actually, I'm not going to tell you what to rate. That's I'm not going to tell you what quality <laughs> rate. But leave us a review. I would love it if it was five stars. And then just write something. You can write. I like the sound of Jake's voice. You can say good podcast. Or and here's what I think would be fun. Give me your restaurant recommendation. And that's not just for if New York City. If you live in another city, say that city. And then when I go to that city, I can look at the reviews of the podcast and say, oh, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Something has gone very wrong if I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. But (laughs) maybe I'm coming to visit Katie's family. Um, I don't live in Raleigh. I live in Charlotte. They have to be close to each other, right? Not even. <laughs> Not even, okay, really. But, okay, so if I end up in Charlotte, North Carolina, I can go on to, I guess I would ask Katie for, but I could look at the reviews of the podcast and be like, oh, look, M- M- Nanny Mumford said <laughs> this. And That's then we can, the first name you could think of. Okay, whatever. Leave a review for this podcast, write whatever you want, but I think it would be fun if you wrote a restaurant that you recommend. I think that would be fun. Okay, go do that right now. And now you're back. And now we can actually continue the intro of this podcast. Hi, Katie. How are you? <laughs> I am great. How are you? I'm great. Um, I, um, what's new with you? Um, not much. Over the weekend, I went out a bit, which was fun. Ooh. My, um, Ooh. my, <laughs> I know. Can you imagine going out? Um, my cousin was in town. Um, he's oh, fun. one of my best friends and I hadn't seen him in a really long time because he was doing a grad program for a year in Spain. Oh shit. I know. So he just came back. He graduated and like surprised me. And oh my God. Fun. Where'd you guys go? Um, we hung out a lot. We, he likes to do this thing he calls rotting on the couch, which is just really Ew. like <laughs> sitting on the couch all day and rotting and ordering in food. And we did that one day. But we also, we went to this really cute restaurant called Madame Vo. Oh, yeah. It's the Thai place in East Village. Or no, Vietnamese. Yeah. Vietnamese. Really good. Um, Where else did we go? Um, It was my friend's birthday not long ago when I was in Carroll Gardens at his favorite, uh, like, 
beer bar called Wing Bar. Um, literally such a like straight guy. Yeah, it's very heterosexual. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So go all the way to Carroll Gardens for it. Yeah, I had to go all the way to Carroll Gardens, <laughs> which we, I love you, Nikki, but yeah, a little tough. That's um, intense. It's like it's like on draft Miller Lite, like in yeah. a like giant thing. Miller Lite is my favorite of the cheap beers, I have to say. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad choice. I like Coors Light maybe more. Oh, okay. Are you judging me? Wow, the face you just made. So we went there. There was tons of wings. <laughs> <laughs> there was fried pickles. There was I love a frickle. Love fried pickles. So good. I feel like you don't see them a ton in the Northeast, or maybe that's just my experience. But I feel like in the South, they're like everywhere. They're like onion rings, fried pickles, you know, yeah. same places. But I feel like here, it's a special occasion when you see them on the menu. Do you I prefer, always order them. Do you prefer spear or chip? Chip. Chip. Okay. You like spear. I like both. I feel like the spear, because like to be honest, like obviously I want the pickle, but I'm there for like the crunch factor, and I feel like you don't get the like crunchiness in every bite with the spear that you do with the chip. I hear what you're saying. I think I just I I want there to be enough. I think the joy of a frickle is how like it's so vinegary and fried, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you get a little bit more of that with the spear. I hear you. I mean, I'm not going to like turn down either one. No, I'm not turning down either. I'm not Absolutely turning not. Down either. Absolutely not. We had really good fried pickles when we went to Atlanta. Keith and I were both there and we got fried pickles and they they um, had them fried in like a corn flour thing Ooh. and it was so good. It was like cornbread mixed with fried pickles. I love that. Wait, I'm literally pulling up my calendar to look at what I did this past weekend because I'm like, you I don't, don't remember. remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, this weekend I'm going to Philly. Oh, I saw Muna. That's what I did. Muna. I went, oh, okay. Wait, so I went, I had, okay, now I'm right. I had a bunch of shows this weekend and I saw Muna. That was what I did this past weekend. Wait, what is that? Muna's the band. I don't know that. Am I supposed to? Yeah, they're very, they're very cool and good. They're you would very like them. popular and I'm it's the like only one three, that doesn't know about it's them. It's like three queer people, two women and one non-binary person. Um, and they're great. You would recognize, they sing that song, I Know a Place, that was in that Girls episode. That was like their big break. Um, I saw them at Irving Plaza, which is the most random place to see a concert in New York City. What, I was like, I'm going to Irving Plaza. Do you feel like Where that's- Where even a- is that's that? <laughs> what? That's the Hillsong place. Wait, shut the fuck up. Hillsong does shit at Irving Plaza? That was their main hub. When? When they were hot. When, when before the dude got kicked out for his extramarital affair. That Irving was the place they did all the Hill songs. I'm gonna text my friend I saw Moon at with, and he's gonna shit his fucking pants. That's gonna, that's crazy. There's a documentary called Hill Song. Yeah. And you'll see it. Interesting. I'm obsessed. Do you guys know? Wait, this is fun to talk about. Did I ever tell you about how the guy who ran when I was working at Rosemary's, like back in 2000, it was probably like eight, no. Yeah, maybe like 18. When did Firefest happen? Like oh 17, 18? I think it was 2017. Okay, so in 2017, roughly, when, when the Firefest shit was going down, the guy, Scott McFarland, in between when Firefest happened and when he got arrested and then when he was out on bail between that and when he went to trial and then went to prison, he, I'm not fucking joking, used Rosemary's like a WeWork. He was at <laughs> Rosemary's 
every single day. It was on, if you watch the documentaries, I think in the, cause there's like the two different Firefest documentaries, like the competing ones. I think in the Hulu one, there's literally a shot of him walking out of Rosemary's and I was probably inside. It was crazy because he would be there. First of all, the first day he showed up, someone ran downstairs and was like, the guy from Firefest is up upstairs. And I was like, Jaw Rule. Cause remember it was also Jaw Rule and I freaked <laughs> the fuck out. I was like, is Jaw Rule at Rosemary's right now? Jaw Rule was not at Rosemary's. I was. I would have been like the Evian guy. <laughs> <laughs> that that was like the biggest celebrity to me after. The one who said that he would suck his dick? <laughs> suck the dick for, for an Evian. So then he go. I go upstairs, it's Scott McFarland. So Scott McFarland would be, they would show up to Rosemary's during lunch and stay for hours and it would be like six different people on laptops doing very like important busy work and I was like what are any of them doing people would show up it was actually so crazy people would show up to this restaurant and be like hi I'm here for a job interview and the manager would be like what and then they, Scott McFarland would be like oh it's with me come over and then he would just like flag them over to his table <laughs> they would literally use it as a we work like on our free wi-fi it was so crazy he did this for weeks and weeks and weeks like Scott McFarland just like showing up and I was what? like and I was like, what in the Firefest is going on? And I think part of it was like, because you remember like there was the whole thing where like there's like part of the documentary where like they sent out like wristbands. They tried to like sell something in the meantime to like make a bunch of money back. Like those emails were sent from Rosemary's, like on the Rosemary's Wi-Fi. No way. I was like, this is, I was like a witness. Like I never got called in, but I could have been. <laughs> so that was my connection to the Firefest thing. But that happened at Rosemary's. It was really crazy. That's hilarious. Since I last talked to you, by the way, I binge watched Mayor of Easttown because you- Was it not incredible? It's so good. It's incredible. It's so good. I was so sad Wait, that it's only one season though. I know, but it, it has to be, like if they made two a big, don't make two. Yeah. Like it yeah. really it is so contained. It would have ruined it, but like when I first started it, I was like, <coughs> I really loved the first episode and then I went to go see like how many episodes there were and I was like, oh, it's like a limited series, fuck. When I, okay, wait, so I was watching it. I, I, I vividly remember watching it because I, I think I said this last episode when we were talking about it, but it's like, I- it was like I, I had kept on delaying starting it because I was like busy. And then, but I, a lot of podcasts I listen to and a lot of like people I follow on Twitter and stuff were talking about it. Not in like a spoilery, spoilery way, mm -hmm. but I knew I was like, oh fuck, next week's the finale. The killer's going to get spoiled for me. So I had to watch all of it. And then the second I started, I watched it all in like one night, but yeah. I had to go do something. Like I had to go do something for work and then come back. And I remember it was like, when I got home, it was like 10, 11 at night and Nate had already gone to bed. And I was like, okay, I have to watch Mare. Like I medically have to watch Mare, but like Nate's asleep in the other medically. room. So I have to be quiet. And so I'm watching Mare and then spoiler, fast forward 45 seconds. If you don't want to hear this, it was the episode where they find the girls at the killer, that guy's house. Oh my God. And when he gets, when Evan Peters gets shot in the head. Yeah. I have, I'm not exaggerating. I screamed out loud at that moment in a way I have never screamed out loud at a TV show in my life. It scared, that was so shocking to me and scared the ever-living shit out of me. It was one of the best moments of TV in the past like 10 years. It was so shocking. So shocking. I have to say, the entire series was so well thought out, so good, every detail was perfect. The, the name of it, terrible. Every other thing, great. The name, it's lazy. Just, it's just hard lazy because name. her name sounds too much like Mayor. Yeah. The, the whole, the name is like, okay, like I guess you couldn't think of anything. So you said the first name's character, the first, the protagonist's first name and then like the place they live. It's fine. I'm not that mad at the name it's of fine. it. It's fine. I just felt like the whole other, the whole, like the, the whole series acting, is Like the acting is so incredible, especially Kate Winslet and Julianne Nicholson. Yeah. Is it Nichols or Nicholson? I don't know. But those two were so incredible in that yeah. show. It is so good. I loved it so much. I also feel like you don't always see Kate Winslet in a role like that. Like you don't no. see her like in oh, that Oh, and Jean Smart was amazing too. Yeah. Yeah, but you, I just feel like Kate Winslet you're used to seeing in more like rom-com. Refined, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the, 
you know, like oh, the romantic so interest, not like, you know, I don't know. I thought it was really, I, I And you it. also watched Murder on Middle Beach. Yeah. Did we already talk about we that? We talked about that last oh, week. Oh, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Mare was so good. I loved it so much. Yeah. It was really, really good. I, and like, this is the thing I'm just advocating for, like, that's the, we, I want more shows like that. Yes. I, I, did you guess, one, did you guess who it was? No, there's no way you did. No. There's no way you'd guess. No, no, no. It's amazing that it's you would never guess it, but it doesn't feel cheap. Like, it's not yes. like they pick someone insane. It's not like Gossip Girl where it's like, ugh. Uh, yeah, like, it's like, oh, this choice is, it's not like that where it's like, it's such a shock because it also doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, this made so much sense. It's so well done. Yeah. That's why Gossip Girl shouldn't have been so long. Maybe if it was a one season limited series, it would have made sense. Wow. <laughs> wow. In this essay, I, I will. In this essay, I will. <laughs> That is so, <laughs> that is so real. What are you watching right now? Anything new? Abbott Elementary, duh. Have you started it yet? I haven't it's watched it. It's so good. But I, I had never watched um, How to Get Away with Murder, so I'm actually starting it now. Wow. Okay, I only watched the first season of that. And oh, then really? The new thing I watched that I'm obsessed with is the new Interview with the Vampire on AMC, the show. Mm-mm. It's so Interview good. with the Vampire? Yeah, so it's based, do you know about Interview with the Vampire? No. Even like the movie? No. Oh, wow. So it's like, <laughs> I know. Oh my God, I don't no, know. No, it's fine. You're fine. <laughs> so it's these series of books by this woman, Anne Rice, who's like an iconic author who wrote like these, this like iconic series of books about vampires called the Vampire Chronicles. Okay. She's like an icon and they all take place. It's all in, it's like almost entirely in um, New Orleans. So it's okay. like very like Gothic, Southern, like whatever. I'm into that. And then they made a movie of one of the books that is like a huge movie and it's, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, and um, Kirsten Dunst. And <laughs> you have to like Kirsten Dunst. She's one of our greatest actresses. Or actors, period. Penny Lane, what do you have against her? Oh. What were you going to say, Keith? Oh, I had stopped recording and I'm starting recording. Oh, okay, great. Um, if she starts, we'll just keep recording. Keep recording. She's just mad at Kirsten Dunst for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, the I like Interview with the Vampire is a very good movie. Mm-hmm. But in the books, there's a lot of like she's really good at writing like they're very gay, but it was <laughs> written in a way that was like it wasn't like subtle, but it wasn't like graphic. And if you were kind of like dumb enough, you could miss that they were like having sex with men. Like it would be like they just went. It was like it was written in a way where it was like if you were looking for it, it was obvious, and if you weren't, you could miss it. Sort of like all those like English classes that you took in in high school, and you're like, these were letters that Virginia Woolf wrote to her best best <laughs> Very friend. <that>. Very <laughs> that. So this new show on AMC, they're making it not okay. So firstly, they made you'll appreciate this. They made Louis um, black. So there's also like a race element playing of like, he's like a black businessman and it's like dealing with how he's treated as like, he's like a very successful black businessman, but he's like also still black and being treated that way in like the turn of the century, New Orleans. It's really good. And all of them are vampires? No. So this is the whole thing. The whole, the whole story is like, well, it's like basically about just two vampires, Lestat and Louis, but they made it like explicitly gay. Like it is their gay love story and it's just so Good. It's like gay true blood. It's like gay true blood turn of the century. It's okay. That sounds heaven. incredible. I'm it's watching heaven. that. I'm obsessed. There's two episodes out. I'm gonna be like religiously watching it. I'm very excited. I have to wait till it's all out though because oh, that's how I consume television. You can't do drops. I forget about them. Like sure. I would. Li- my my attention span is truly sure. two seconds. So if I watch week by week, I'm like I just I can't follow it. I, I just can't get into it in the same way. And I know that that's just because my brain is broken, but that is unfortunately how I am. 
I get that. I respect it. No, I actually prefer a week-to-week drop. It makes me happier. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, like, what we grew up with, right? Like, having to, like, wait every week to, like, watch your show and see what happens next. But I think that— Like, having that—like, have you watched Severance? Yeah. Yeah, like having that with Severance was like fun. Like for but those I waited weeks for Severance. Of most until people, it I feel like, yeah. And I get that. I just, I like being a part of the conversation and like having that week to be like, wait, so this happened this week. Like, what's going on? Like, I think that's fun. That is fun. Yeah. I think that if I was, I don't know. I think that like the fact that like Netflix like came out when I was like in middle school or no, whatever. No, like it programmed your brain. It like it programmed, programmed me to like only like binge watch new shows like from the beginning, especially because so much of what I like, like to do in high school and college was like watch old series that like I never watched on DVD. Like yeah, like um, Dawson's Creek. I actually never watched Dawson's oh, Creek. I feel like that was like the one that people did on DVDs, like for my age, because it was like it had just stopped airing. Yeah, I didn't do it on DVDs. I did it on like actually on Netflix, but oh. like it was just like you know. It's, it's really like, funny the specific ways our small age difference shows. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like that's Get, one. Like you, you were doing Netflix when Netflix was like sending you the DVDs. But I, we, I didn't even have it then. Like we oh. didn't. But I would go to like like I watched Six Feet Under going to my local library and checking out the box sets from the library. Like that was my queer journey with Six Feet Under. Oh wow! Have you I watched mean, Six Feet Under? No. Katie got I know, I know, I know. It's I know. so good. I know, I need to. It's so depressing. We had, we had, <laughs> it's so funny to pitch people on Six Feet Under because it's like, oh my God, it's the best show in the world. It will make you want to kill yourself. Literally, what, <laughs> what is it even about? It's about, oh my God, it's amazing. So it's about <laughs> the Fishers, which are a family, and they own a funeral home. Okay. And their dad, in the first episode, the dad dies. And so then it's like uh, that, like the catalyzing incident is like this family sort of like dealing with that. But it's very much just about like a fucked up family and they own the funeral. They own a funeral home. That's kind of like it. There's it's just about a family in California. It's like a drama. Oh, it's a drama. Okay. It has like really darkly funny moments, but it is definitely like overall a drama. Okay. That sounds good. I used to go to Blockbuster and like actually like get movies from there. And I remember... I, I specifically remember they would have, like, obviously you get all the movies, but then, like, when you were in line for the register, they would have, like, a bunch of, like, knickknacks and, like, They stupid, had the like, movie stuff. theater bucket popcorns for the microwave you could get. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, and I loved those. Incredible. But they also had these, like, wax teeth. Oh, duh, 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 duh. And I would always want those for some reason, like, not even, like, Halloween, but I would just, like, want to walk around with, like, the wax, like, cherry wax teeth on because like I don't know my mom would always be like you can get the wax teeth like but you can't like put them in until like your homework's done so like do my homework so I could like wear these fucking blockbusters and wax teeth that is so So funny. This week's episode, Penny Lane is absolutely going the fuck off. This week's episode is such a fun one. It's one of my, with one of my dear friends who brings me so much joy. I have gone out with him in the past, and we have had an absolutely fantastic time. And we will, we, ooh, we will be doing so again soon. You can see him on previous seasons and this upcoming season of the other two, and season ten of the Goldbergs. Please enjoy me going out with Jimmy Fowley. Is like ridiculous. I know this is such an annoying thing for Not like an actor to an actor to say, especially because you're like whatever. But like things that are any sort of like logistical like information, like I feel like my brain just turns off. Yeah. And I'm like, am I dumb? Because people will be like, write a paragraph about your project, and I'm like, 
I can't put it into words. You just have to like watch me. We have to do that. Literally every week we get sent a new interview that's like, hey, like here's like 10 questions about your project. And it's like, it's the same 10 questions over and over, just worded slightly differently. And they're like, please don't copy and paste from previous interviews and also write 600 words. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my full mind. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris would say like um, my boss for the other two, he would be like saying how like they would, if you applied for any of these like glad media awards or like um, any sort of awards sh- like show that's based on like, LGBT people, they'd be like, explain why your show is important to the community. <laughs> so you've already created like seasons of a show and a story and a character. And now you're putting down in this like huge essay why it's important. It's just like so weird. It's also like kind of like they're like describe the audience reaction, like audience thoughts on the show. It's like that's the audience's job. Like I don't like it's like, why is my show important? It's like that's not for me to decide. Like I made yeah. it. You guys tell me why it's important. Like yeah that's so good yeah describe the audience reaction like that's a question that you need to take directly to them (laughs) that's sort of between you and them and not me at all (laughs) in fact it's just like any sort of thing about like your take on the audience reaction would be skewed anyways so it would to make sure i'm on do not disturb oh thank you we usually tell people to do that and then i forgot (laughs) um yeah gorge so um, on the show, basically we talk about whatever we want, but it mostly skew. We try to focus, but I sometimes fail at focusing on like going out. So like food restaurants, like, like our history with like parties going out, like anything of that. And, uh, okay, cool. um, but we can kind of talk about whatever, but I guess my first question. So you were just in New York, you're back in LA. Um, are you, we've hung out once and it was honestly a really lovely time. And we went to my, great. we went to Walter's, one of my favorites. And also should we like tell the context where it was like we both uh, this is probably going to sound gross but but maybe not <laughs> no i don't but think we both will. followed each other and i um dm'd jake and was like this this is so weird to say i think you're hilarious i would love to grab like a coffee or a dinner with you and i promise i want nothing from you yeah. and i i pro i promise i won't ever ask you to like be on a podcast or anything like that <laughs> and then i said yes and i will ask you to be on my podcast <laughs> and here we are and here we are no I but promise. you you sent the dm that i often want to send or want someone where it's like it's just like hey i think we would get along if we hung out in real life let's like not wait for that to happen organically and just like do it you yeah. know what i mean and it was very nice we had a great dinner yeah. And there's also the opposite where like you see someone or like you hear like, oh, we should totally hang out. And it's not it's never going to happen. Or it's like not that maybe you don't want to, but it's like the actual um, it's more of like a lip service. Like, oh, we should totally hang out. And it's not like let's yeah. actually do it. And that to me has become my hell where it's yeah. like you don't really mean it. And then this like plan is like in the background that you're always trying to do. And I've started to say to people, we either hang out the next time or I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> I really respect that because I do, I haven't actually thought about this, but you're right. Like I do have a handful of people who now when I see them out, it's awkward because for the past six years, every time we've seen each other, we've been like, we should get drinks. And it's like, we have to acknowledge now that that conversation has happened for six years and has never yeah. led to anything. Yeah. But I think part of it is like you do genuinely like the person. So when you say it, it, it is like, oh, I really like you. I really enjoy like spending time with you. And I feel like the truth is that 
what you could also say is like, it's just so nice to see you. It's just great. Right. And like, let it live and die there. I'm saying this to myself because I also, I'm actually the king of, <laughs> of that. Like that was my thing. Like people told me like in college, they were like, stop saying we should hang out. You don't actually mean <laughs> you it. don't mean it. Do you feel like you're someone, cause I would guess this about you. Are you someone who has like more friends than you can handle a little bit? Like, Cause I feel like you're just you so know, like, nice to every, like, I feel like you're one of the nicest people I've met. Oh, I love that. That's such, I, I love hearing that. That's the, that's how I've tricked people. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I, you know what? It's funny because actually I, um, I always felt like I had like a ton of great friends, but when the pandemic happened, I feel like a lot of my closer friends were like, really, they didn't want to be in a pod. They didn't want to see each other socially distanced. They were like, you know, very on the like safe side. And, um, my boyfriend, Josh, he has like five core friends, like a small, a small group, but they're super tight. So for like basically two years, we would hang out with his friends. And I was like, this is actually it to have a smaller group and you're really close and and no shade to like my friends like, <laughs> who are probably listening to this going like basically fully dismissing. Um, but I think that like, they're yeah, like, I what the have, fuck? Like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I would love to see my friends faces. To this. No, I have like amazing friends who I love who are like some, some friends are like family, but um, I think I had a lot of medium sized friends. No, totally. And I'm like, what about you? Do you have like, who's your, who are your best friends? Like if I'm like, who is your best friend? So I have a, my friend, David, I've known since I was 12. So he, and he still lives in New York. We've lived together in the past. We like, we're in wow. like, so he like, he's my best friend for sure. And like there, he has his own tier because it's like, when I talked to him about like my family stuff, it's like, he was there when I was a child. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so there's a level mm -hmm. and like vice versa. So there's like a level of like understanding and closeness that won't, I think ever be matched just because of the time. So yeah. he's, but then our, our friend, our best friend, Holly, who I've, I've at this point now known, known since I was 17, it's like, she's ju almost just as close. Like minus like, she wasn't really there for like my high school, middle school experience, which David was like, so I'd say the three of us, those are like my closest friends. And they're That's also, so cool. neither of them are comedians. So it does feel like mm -hmm. I kind of get to like step out of this social professional world that has this really, I'm, as you know, like this really blurred line of like working and socializing, like all of what you were saying about having to caveat an invite to dinner of being like, this is to be friends, not like a work dinner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mm. never have to do that with them. Like that feels like I'm very much stepping into like my normal life. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have, and then I have, I'd say like a tier below that is like, then I have a handful of friends who are like very, very close. And then I have a lot of people I care about that I don't see all that often. I do have, like, I guess I do have like a lot of friends, but it's like, yeah. I don't have anyone that I hang out with because I have a lot of friends. I will say earnestly, I don't have anyone at this point that I hang out with because I like feel obligated to, but don't actually want to like those people yeah. had to kind of fall off the list at some point because there's just not enough time. Yeah. Um, Isn't yeah. there like a study that says you can only really have like, I, uh, this is going to be such a worthless point. No, but I know what you're talking about. It's like, you can only really have like six friends or something. 20? Yeah. Oh no, it's probably like 20. 20. <laughs> I'm like, you can only have 400 really close. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, I think it is true. Like after some point, like I, and I feel like over the years I've known people who are, I have a couple of people who are like the, 
they always are introducing me to a different best friend. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm like, this is a red flag. Like you actually, this is a huge red flag for you <laughs> that you have. Like you might think it's like a good thing that you have like 25 best friends to me. It's actually a huge red flag. Yeah. I, um, I'm in AA and there's, there was a friendship that I had that was like so fast and intense and like it like ended in a flame, but it was funny because, um, you know, I kind of had like, I'm like you where like a lot of my friends go deep. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 17, my best friend that we, we met each other when we were 14 and we've been friends ever since. So and you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but we met each other. We just got along so good. There was probably like a little bit of codependency, which like, I don't hate a little bit of codependency, <laughs> but like we were a lot. And, um, and yeah, he was like introducing people as his best friend. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh, like I liked it. Cause I was like, Oh, that feels very like comforting to know. I don't know to have that intense label, but I was also like, we don't know each other like super well. You Wait, know? you mean people other than your best friend? Yeah. You know, he would, yeah, he would introduce me to his friends. This is my best friend. Oh yeah. And then, um, and then we were like getting ready for, um, uh, my birthday was coming up and he was like, uh, I don't know what it was. He was like, just his vibe was like, like he hadn't even met my group of friends. Right. Um, and he was just like, and he was just like, like my, my friends were hearing about him. They're like, who is this person? Oh, and I was like, oh, he's my friend. Like, it was just very much like, by the way, th this is like a conversation that a seventh grade girl is having <laughs> in this moment. Like it is not an evolved, like, no, but it, in a weird it's way, so it's <laughs> no, but like, in a weird way, I'm like, I'm like, okay. So my best friends, I, I met this person. They're like, seriously, my new best friend. And then my other best friends were like, so weird about it. <laughs> no, but I think it is interesting to talk about the concept of like a best friend, because I think it is like this thing of like, sort of like a, it's like a, it's a thing to like achieve. Like, Oh, I've, I have a best friend. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, it is just like innately almost capitalist to have to rank your friends. Like, cause it's like, I have David who is my best friend, but there are things that I will go to a different friend to talk about because I don't think David's the best person to talk about them with. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I know exactly what you mean. And so it's not, I don't know that it is necessarily, I think maybe the concept of best friendship is maybe not as evolved as we think it is because it is like innately comparing your relationships. Totally. And it's also like, it also puts pressure on the relationship. Like I had a falling out with one of my like really good friends. I knew her since college. And I think because for a long time she was like my best college friend, my best friend, it was yeah. like, we felt obligated on certain things to like, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but like, it was, it's just putting too much on it. It's like, they're your friends that like, you like hanging out with them. And that way it, you can like give yourself room to like evolve or change or like have a group of friends that doesn't involve them and not feel like it's a big deal. You know, it's almost the same version of when like you see a couple that's like, they're sort of like saying their boyfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend before they've actually like developed that relationship. Like it's more important to them that they have a boyfriend that, that they're dating this person. Yeah. It's 100%. like that energy. And it's always it's scary like to see that. Yeah, it's hollow. And I'm like, you, this is going to combust because it's very flammable, you know? Yeah. Wait, and you I, can always tell it. It's also, oh, sorry. No, 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 you go, you go, you go. I was just going to say, it's also like very telling. Like, I feel like social media is like the great, like, like 
when some when some like someone's personality or identity starts to become like their relationship or and you like, see that these, with yes you see it with friends and couples where it's like oh jimmy's just started posting a lot of pictures with beth you know what i mean and it's like yeah. it's you can tell that it's like that's the thing yeah a hundred percent i was gonna ask i was curious and i don't know if if this is like not a great question forgive me but like in aa is it incur is it like encouraged or discouraged to make friends through that program or is oh, it's totally encouraged. Like everyone's, you know, it's, uh, they really kind of like, um, encourage you to like hang out with people after the meetings and just like get a support group, you know, because I think a lot of times like people who are like coming to AA, they are usually have developed a friend group of usually people who like drink like they do or party like they do. Right. So like the new, you know, meeting people who they could go out and not have to get like, like that's at least my experience. Like, I was so used to getting obliterated every time I yeah. went out that I didn't know. And no one was like all my friends at the time drank like me, yeah. you know? So like I didn't even have, well, I guess some people didn't, but the point is, yeah, they do encourage it. I think the one thing is when you're new, they try to dis they don't discourage it, but like dating can be like a hot button issue. If you're right, dating in the right. program. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. Just, Sorry, I have to leave this AA group because I fucked my way through the whole thing. <laughs> it feels like a uh, I mean, if you think that doesn't happen in West Hollywood <laughs> AA, like it's insane. I'm sure that's a real scene. It's a scene. <laughs> oh my god, you know what was happening, which I want to tell you, I feel like you'll appreciate it. Yeah, it was please. The weirdest thing. At my home group, which is like a 7:30 a.m. meeting, and like the Friday is huge, hundreds of people. What does home group mean? Is that like your like oh, base, like the one you go to the most often? Yeah, and it's like I have a commitment there and got it, all got it, this got stuff. It. Um, oh, God, I hope this is okay to say. I'm not going to like say anyone's name. No, can you say I, their I, names? Like, and do you have pictures? <laughs> I'm like, here's their first and last <laughs> name and their, their amount of times. This, and here's how I rank them in terms of being my best friend. <laughs> yeah, they're all my best friends. Um, people were saying like, you know, this guy got up to share and he was like, you know, he's in his like, like 50s or 60s, you know, and he's like, I, first thing I want to tell you is I used to be hot. Oh, God. And it was just like, it was so odd because I'm like, sir, it's 730 a.m. <laughs> like, we're like here for a.m. Like, it was so bizarre, but it was, I think he was feeling like insecure or whatever. Wanted yeah. to, you know, like, was like, he was like, I'm looking out on all these handsome faces and I want you to know. And then someone else came to share later when we opened up the meeting for sharing. And he, and he was like, all right, I want to, I need to tell you. I used to have a 12 pack. I was a gymnast and it was like, what is happening right now? This is so like, it's scary. That is scary. And that is also sort of illuminating to, I've been thinking, I was just on fire Island like two weeks ago. And so naturally I'm thinking, Oh my God, how was it? I it was a little bit of a disaster because half of our, the other half of the group we were going with booked a hotel that they thought was on the, on fire Island, but was in hell's kitchen. Like it was the hotel with the <gasps> same name, but they booked it in the wrong place. So they had to leave. You are kidding. <laughs> no. You already talked about this on the podcast. I talked about it last week, but it's truly fine. That's, oh. and that's the most oh of the story. God. That's like basically the story. But so basically me and Nate, my boyfriend, like didn't fully have a group. And like my friend, Steven, like adopted us into his group. And like, it was just like a whole thing, but it was overall, it was like a fun time for sure. But it was like, how a, did they not realize that people must have been pissed? It was, <laughs> it was the kind of thing where I was like, my friend who did the booking and fucked it up, 
it's like you couldn't be mad at him because he was so sad. Like he was so sad he had done this. Like it wasn't like he was like our sloppy friend who was like, ah, booked the wrong hotel. He was like devastated. And so it was like, you just can't be mad. Like you look at him and you like instantly forgive him. You're like, this sucks that this happened. Oh no. And then you, but you, wait, you would have loved this. But then, and the reason they couldn't stay with us is because Nate and I just Airbnb'd a room in this guy's house. And he was this like older gay man who has been, had a house of Fireland for 45 years. He has a dog named Princess Lily. And like every time he come home, he'd be like, how's your night? What'd you do? Tell me everything. What's going on? He like essentially was a fiery fire scene. And he'd just be on the couch with this dog. It was incredible. No, but what That's I was saying. so nice. It was cute. It was really cute. But what I was going to say was I, being on Fire Island, especially I think like for the 4th of July weekend, it was like, I was inundated surrounded by a lot of men who like are that 12 pack, like psychotically hot, like muscle ripped 600 grams Mm -hmm. of protein a day bodies, like constantly around. And I am just like, what happens when you get old? Like what? Like, Mm -hmm. cause it's like, that's like your full-time job making your body look like that. And I do just wonder like, what happens when you like slip a disc and start like, I don't know. Like it's like, cause you just can't stay that hot when you're 65. Like it just feels like you're signing up for a crisis. Yeah, it also feels like at a certain point you're just chasing it or like, you know, I've also I I personally have felt like even just as like I get like, you know, I'm 36. So like the difference in my face to me from like 33 to 34 and you know how your iPhone will be like, remember this memory. It's an attack. It's an attack every time. It is. It's it's haunting. It's like (laughs) I I, this is making me feel bad. Okay, well, you look great. Oh, thank you. Well, um, but you know, that's no one is going to outrun aging. Like, and I, and I'm trying to like mentally prepare to be like that old wrinkled gay guy at some point who's like moisturized. Like, I fully want to be like that crazy gay guy. I think there is an element, maybe what you're talking about of like when community is based on something like that, that can't last forever. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, if your community is that you all look this certain way that it, it does have a time cap on it because at some point your body will change and like you will mm-hmm. fall out of that standard. Like that probably does lead to potential loneliness. Yeah, totally. And I also, that ma- you saying that makes me think like, I also think we just put different value on stuff. Like I see groups of like gay men who are like, you know, like a little squad and they're like older and like, you know, totally just like these sweet men and they're like, you know, whatever age they're at and they're best friends and they're walking around like, and oh my that's God. cool. I know when you see that's like a, so cool. when I see like old queer people in community, like a group of old gay people hanging out, yeah. I could sob that. Cause it's like, that's really special. You know what I mean? That there is it's like really it, special. Yeah. It's like the most pure thing I've ever seen in my life. But also I feel like we, we don't put value on it. Like we're all like youth body, like, like to your point, about, 100%. Like, as opposed to like the, and then not to get like too deep, but like, especially when you think about the AIDS crisis, it's like no. so many people went through, like now people are like fighting about their pronouns on TikTok. But like before that people were like dying of AIDS yes. and people couldn't, you know what I mean? And it's like, they paved the way they are like the courage that they have. Um, Anytime I hear someone's story, like I literally go back, I think about that's what I like. I don't want to say use, but like whenever I'm feeling really overwhelmed or like 
hopeless or frustrated with like the times we're living in, I think about like the eighties and like what our gay ancestors went through. And I'm like, Oh, we can do this. Like whatever's coming, like we can figure it out because like they had like, there was like Russia was going to nuke America. Like there was all of this like horrible stuff. And then on top of that, they were like alone. The government wasn't helping them. And like all their friends were dying. Like, I just can't imagine like, and it's like, it's one of those things. Like, I feel like there's some, this is going to be a podcast where you and I bring up like really conceptual ideas that we can't fully articulate or, or <laughs> cite, but it's like, there's some concept of like part of what makes like human, like a fatal flaw of like humanity is that like, we can't like fully understand how bad something in the past was. Like it'll always seem not as bad. Like slavery won't seem yeah. as bad as it actually was. The AIDS crisis won't seem as bad as it actually was because like we actually can't fathom it. And so then like, we don't have the appreciation for what we went through as a people. Yeah. Um, and when I, but like when I really sit down and try to think about it, I can like make myself cry in like two seconds thinking about it. Yeah. And that's why, but to your point, it's like, that's what like, like, did you watch pretend it's a city? Did I, I didn't talk about this. I, yeah. When friend, when she was saying like, when she was saying like all the good artists died, like all the artists you're seeing from the eighties were like this, were like the JV team that got their shit out there because like the best died. And it was like, yeah. that's crazy to think about. That's really, yeah. I forgot about that one detail. That's, it's insane. And it's insane that, um, the homophobia too, like, it's like uh, so traumatic, but then on top of it, you have this horrible disease that people like are almost wishing on you Yeah, and there's no support. And imagine like you had just come out, you had just come to terms with it. You're like, it's not that bad. And then gay sex is the thing that's getting people this disease Yeah, it's, it, in a weird way. It's like your greatest fear, like in, um, well, it's, yeah, if you've been told your whole life that God's going to punish you for it and then suddenly it feels like he was uh, like it's I can't I, forget. I, I can't imagine. It's so insane. I forget. Did you grow up religious or no? Like I grew up like New England Catholic. So like barely yeah. like I was able to take it off like a sweater. You know what I mean? <laughs> what about you? Similar, right? Um, it was like actually my parents were atheists and like my aunt was Methodist. So I would like sometimes go with her to church. But yeah, I never had like a weird like religious connection to like my inner like gotcha. homophobia but can i ask another wait so t- can i ask another question about aa with that oh yeah totally is because there's a religious component to aa right there's a spiritual program because like they have this like you have a quote-unquote higher power but the idea behind it is that um it's the higher power can just be anything that's not you it gotcha. could be literally the program the people in the rooms it could be like the ocean a doorknob just like the idea of like you're just not the controlling the entire universe kind of it's like a re- it's like a release to something else yeah gotcha yeah. so okay cool that's interesting you can totally be atheist and sober and um and also i feel like it's worth saying like i'm just a member of the program. Like if you're listening and you've never heard about AA, I'm not like the president of AA who knows all the rules. Like, um, so hopefully I like, don't say anything that's like not kosher, but yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I, we're not, I don't, yeah. I'm just curious. Cause I feel like, I think you're the first person I've had on the podcast that is in AA or at least open oh, cool. or that openly was, you're not the first sober person. I don't, you're definitely not the first sober person, but you're, I think you are the first person that's in AA. And I do think it's interesting. Like, Cause I think there's so many misconceptions about it. Like I think I, I knew you were allowed to make friends at it, but I think when I first learned about AA, I thought it was truly like everyone shows up like the anonymous part. I think I truly thought it was like, everyone shows up, they don't acknowledge their lives outside and then they like leave again and like, aren't allowed to like acknowledge each other in real life. Like that's truly what I thought it was for a long time, but it's like, that's wildly wrong. 
Well, I think actually that's kind of what it was based on is that the, the um, anonymous part was because the social stigma of being an alcoholic was so insane. You yeah. know, like now it feels like it's like trendy and celebs do like podcasts about, you know, like Dak Shepard, like, yeah. you know, and all these people talk about it and they're so open, but there was a time. And I do think the anonymous part is like still important because I think the idea of going to a room and sharing your story or like looking for help. It's nice to know that no one's going to out you. Um, but, um, I think that like, it used to be like, you couldn't get a job if people right. were alcoholic. Cause they're like, well, what if they start drinking? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that does make a lot of sense. And you've been in the pro you've been sober for like over 10 years, right? Yeah. I got sober like, um, when I was 22. So, um, mm-hmm. 2000 and I'm sure. I have my sobriety tattoo on my arm for people who obviously aren't watching me showing it to fake. I've seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. So what does, do you still, so do you enjoy going out now? Yeah. I mean, I, it depends because there are times where I'm like out having like the time of my life. And there are times where I'm like, not like that. I'm like, Oh, get me out of here. Like, I, um, like when I was in New York, I don't know if we talked about, but I started going to the Eagle with my friend, my friends from work and my, my other friend, John. And I was up until 4am and I was like, I am living. And I was just like drinking diet Cokes and like, <laughs> like seeing people be like, you know, so like, uh, insanely sexual. And I was like, yes, yeah, it's fun. That's amazing. It's super fun. And then, but there are times where I'm like, I'm at like, uh, I went to this drag show like a few weeks ago. And after a while, I was like, get me out of here. Like, not that I felt like, I think it was just because it was so long, but um, yeah. I was like, and not that I'm like, oh, gonna, gonna drink. It's just like, if I'm uncomfortable to be around it, it's like, it just gets a little sketchy. Like, not that I'm gonna like relapse, but I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. So I just don't want to like have my mind go there. Yeah. And what is the value of being there if you're not comfortable? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's probably the thing is like, yeah. And that's, I, I feel like I get, I can empathize with that because there are, I feel like that's as I get older or something where I would, there are situations where I would have been like, I I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to go get a drink. Whereas now I'd be like, I could just leave. You know what I mean? Like, what am I staying here for? Yeah. And I think that is like a healthy delineation for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, growing up was going out or like restaurants. Like, was that a big part of your life? Um, it w- like re- going to restaurants was like kind of an event, yeah. um, where, but my family was like middle-class. So we really went to, have you heard of the, Oh, you're from Massachusetts, right? I'm, I'm from Rhode Island and Vermont. So okay. Massachusetts being between the two, I'm familiar. Okay. So I'm going to say a restaurant and I want, I want you to tell me what comes up. I'm really excited. The 99. <gasps> You'll always come back for more. Yeah. I was ab obsessed with the 99 the 99 when I moved when we moved to Vermont there was a there was a red lobster that had gone out of business and then and it was like this gigantic dead red lobster in the middle of town and then one day like the construction plastic went up and everyone was like what's coming and then like one day it came down and there was a 99 and it just like revolutionized the town like suddenly there was a 99 and it was like and And like for popular like it was it like a hub it was like I mean, to me back then, I would have told you that that was like one of the greatest restaurants in the world and like one of the nicest restaurants in the world. Like, I didn't know. Like, I was like, yeah, this is incredible. Like, cause it wasn't like, cause like 
I was only really familiar with Applebee's. And so then for something to be like a little bit different than Applebee's, do you know what I mean? Like in terms of that vibe of a restaurant where it was like really fun and it felt, I think it's also when you're a kid and those restaurants are very kid friendly, but you're not like perceptive to that. So you just think they're like nicer. Like I think I thought like an Applebee's or a 99 was nicer than like an actual adult restaurant because it was like nicer to me. Oh my God, Jake, that's such a good point that I've never thought about where it like just the fact that they, I'm going to say cater in quotes yeah. to a child and there's a coloring book or crayons. Balloons. You, suddenly, you see it in a world where you're like, oh, this is fun and yeah. this is like for me. Um, and it's also weird how you think things are nicer when you're a kid and then you revisit it. Like we would go to this restaurant in my town. I'm from Bedford, Massachusetts, and there's a, it's a restaurant that's still open to this day. It's called, it's a Chinese restaurant called the great wall. Okay. And it's, it's in a, mall it's literally in a like it's three stores down from a, um, a stop and shop <laughs> shore, and it's like sandwiched between like a liquor store and like the paper store and it's just like a buffet like chinese restaurant i guess it's like kind of like it's like medium below medium but like the way we would talk about it it, it was like we were going to like i mean like no boo. Like yes. The, the, it's like, we're, we're going to the great wall. Like everyone get ready. The reservation for the great wall. Like uh, we're, we got to get in the car to get to the great wall. And then we're like there. And it's like my parents, one of the ways that my family bonded was by complaining about things being too expensive. So you would always <laughs> like, you're like, Oh, and, and then you complain. And that was how you connected. But yeah. I didn't realize that like, <laughs> like I was actually shopping with my, Nat, who I mentioned when I was like in high school and I was at, um, Banana Republic with him and I was looking at a vest and I was like, $40 for a vest. And he came up to me really close. He's like, you have to stop doing that. So <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> There's nothing like when someone suddenly snaps about something you've done in your entire life and they're like, you need to just cut that fucking out. And you're like, I had no idea it was an issue. Yeah. What do you have something where someone was like, you have to stop doing that. One time, this is restaurant related, I guess one time with Holly, who I mentioned earlier, <laughs> One time we were going, we were going to a restaurant. We'd been friends for like 10 years at this point. And they went to seat us and they like brought us to the table. And like, it was like your standard restaurant table where it was like one side was a booth and one side was a chair. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like a two top table. And I just like go to sit in the booth. And like, as I'm like moving around the table, Holly like snaps and she's like, I want the booth side. And I was like, what? And she's like, you have taken the booth side every time we've gone to a restaurant, every time I've gone out with you since we've become friends. And I was like, have I? And she was like, yes. And I was like, take the booth side. Like I had no idea I did this, but like apparently I just always swiped the booth side. Um, (laughs) And I don't know why, because I don't think I like prefer the booth to the chair. Like, I don't think it's like a hard preference for me, but apparently I just always take booth side. Yeah. My guess would be if, if, people did like a scientific experiment and like send human beings into a, t- a two top and there's a booth. I think you naturally just, there's something more inviting. It's like a cushion. It's like, it's kind of set. Yeah. Um, I also probably walk like, faster than her. So I'm just getting to the table yeah. first and then I'm like, well, I'll go in so that you don't have to then yeah. go around me to sit. But I, I agree. Exactly. The booth is just like, you want to go on. It would be also, I think it's like, if you're going to sit alone, you're going to sit on the booth side and look out at the restaurant. You're not going to shit at the chair and face an empty booth. You know, did you just say shit at the chair? I meant to say sit. I meant to say sit, Jimmy. 
God damn I don't it. Know. I'm, I'm still getting to know you, so I don't know what you do. I shit in restaurants without getting up. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so stupid. So, wait, but then so think. Yeah. Wait, no, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, um, just wrapping up the, the Great Wall story. It's just like, it was, it, my family was not a huge. Um, like they, we would just go to medium restaurants, but it always felt like an event. So like totally. to this day, my, my favorite thing is to go out like to a restaurant, a nice restaurant and, um, uh, and just spend money. Cause the other thing is I felt like there's always like this feeling of like, Oh, it's bad to spend money or th- it's this much. Like I took my, my mom and my sister out, um, and they were doing that thing. I told you where she, they were complaining about how expensive things were, but like not even like things that weren't even like overly expensive. They were just like the normal price. It's of just habit for them. Yeah. Yeah. They're like four ninety nine for a lemonade. <laughs> it's like, but that's like, isn't that what it would be? Yeah. Like, that's like how much a lemonade costs. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Literally that is the cost. That's the cost of a lemonade in New York. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably cheaper. Like in four ninety nine, is probably like a deal compared. Yeah, depending um, on where you go. But um, yeah, I finally was. It was just like so irritating to hear them like complain about the prices. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what um, I love it. What wait? But so what was the ninety nine connection? You just that was like another space that was like really important to you. That that was probably one of our go to um places the 99 and like people where i'm from called the nines have you the nines that? no that was not yeah. the vermont one was not referred to as the nines it was strictly like, the we're, 99 they're like we're, we're heading to the nines oh my god i love right. that um and yeah i think like i was also very anxious like mm-hmm. so i knew okay i feel like I, I spent so much time being starving as a child i don't know what that's about but like i have <laughs> intense memories of like, and maybe I'm, I'm actually so dramatic and sensitive that it probably was just me feeling like I was hungrier than I was. But I had so many times where I was like, if I don't get food in the next 10 minutes, <laughs> I'm going to pass out. I'm going to die. And so I would go to the restaurant and I would know, okay, that the server has to like greet us. Then they drop off drinks. Then we'll get the order. So I'm like clocking it. And I, I'm so anxious. I'm watching him. And then they, they finally take the order and I'm like, okay, as soon as he puts it into the computer, we're off to the races. It's just a matter of time. It's in God's hands. He just has to get it in. But I remember this one time, I swear, I did, I saw the waiter. I saw him. He, he took our order and then he got busy with a couple tables and I'm watching him. And I watched him for like 10 minutes and I was like, he has not put our order in. And like the, t- the time passed and finally he like turned and he like looked over at me and he saw me staring at him and he was like, oh. and I saw him turn and put the order in. <laughs> you saved like, the day. You did that. Yeah. I was like, I was like trying to like manifest. <laughs> You're like control. telepathically telling him that is the thing I remember th- that you saying that really brings up those memories. Like, yeah. Of like sitting down and being hungry and knowing the steps of service before the food will even be ordered. And asking, yep. and I would ask, like, can we just order as soon as he gets here? And they'd be like, no, like, we want to do the ritual of a restaurant. <laughs> I was like, I need food right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why do you think, like, I wonder if it's just like, as a kid, I felt like you didn't have access to food as much. Like, there were snacks, but it was always such a big deal to, like, oh my God, Jimmy, we could, yourself. I mean, I could launch a whole separate podcast about this topic about how I think the ways I was raised in terms of control around food were like what like in terms of how I relate to food now, like 
I feel like kids should be allowed to just like, and this is like one of the, I'm sure that parents are going to listen to me and be like, fuck off and die. You don't know what it's like to have a kid. And I never will. Cause I'm not going to have them. Um, but it's like, I just think it's like, let kids learn what it feels like to like eat too much and feel sick. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then do, learn yeah. it for themselves because I spent so much time when I was a kid being like, I'm hungry and I want food and I'm being told I can't have it. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. going to, I think that was what was initially exciting about restaurants when, when I was a kid was like, I'm in control of what I eat today. Like I can order yeah. whatever I want. And granted, like for the first few years, it was like buttered noodles, no parsley. Yeah. If you put parsley on it, I'm not eating it. And like, mm -hmm. but then like, I think it's a control thing. And so the, the server becomes the thing that's out of your control is like, I get to order whatever I want off this menu. As long as this fucko doesn't biff it. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> totally. I love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause sir, I'm in control of everything except the server. That's so funny. I'm powerless over the server's ability. Yeah. It's the one variable in this situation. Cause otherwise I get to look <laughs> at a menu and pick. Cause like one else, I remember my mom used to do this thing. I was so food obsessed when I, I guess I still am to an extent, but I, my mom used to do this thing that actually caused psychological damage to me when I was a child where I'd be like, mom, what's for dinner? And she would list like gross things as a joke, but like, wouldn't tell me what was for dinner. And it probably was cause she hadn't decided yet, but she'd be like, we're having pig's feet and mud. And I'd be like, tell me what is for dinner. And she'd be like, and then she would just be like caterpillars and I'd be like, I'm going to have a psychological break unless you like, I have a, I have like a vivid memory of driving down the road in Rhode Island, being in the back of a Toyota Corolla, being like, I'm going to dive bomb out of this car. If she doesn't tell me what we're having for dinner. <laughs> it was also probably like, it was also probably like 11 AM. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. I just would eat a meal and be like, okay, what's the next one? Yeah. But that's like, I feel like that's like such the, the joke that like, that's always the meme of like <laughs> what it is to be an adult or like in a relationship. But like, it really oh, is, yeah, like, it is such a bonding experience, you know, it's just to be like, okay, what is next? What are we going to eat? I know it's, I mean, it is like very animalistic, but it is true that it is sort of like the baseline of community is like yeah. it, on a small scale between two people and like even large groups is like, what are we eating? Yeah. That's why it sucks when you're ever like, if you have weird like food allergies or things where it feels like you're, uh, like can't participate and, um, and like, that's the other thing, like not to go back to AA only to mention AA for the fifth time. You br like, bring up AA as many times as you want, Jimmy, I'm down. <laughs> um, that I think is the hard time, hard thing about getting sober is like, if your personality is about being drunk, being at bars, being at clubs, you basically have to like re figure out how you fit in, in a social way. And so it's like, yeah, I think like connect it's, we all just want to connect and feel right. like, you know, um, you know, it's also weird to think about this, like a crazy segue. No, go. All we used to do is walk around looking for food. Yeah. For thousands and thousands of years. That was all we did is we hung out and we looked for food. Isn't that so weird? I think about that all the time. And then I also think about it with drinking where I'm like, Drinking a beer at the end of the day makes sense when you have been like laboring to the edge of your body's capacity and you just need like a little release. And so you drink a little alcohol, but it's like, I walk down New York city streets now and I'm like, you guys sent six emails and then went to lunch and had three martinis. Like this isn't what it was yeah. for. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, it's like, yeah. it's like the same thing where it's like these mechanisms, like all we used to do was forge for food. And that's why when you ate, it was like, that's why our brains give us this serotonin rush that is like so high when it's like, I didn't earn this that much. I microwave something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, we're not programmed for it the way we, like the way it is now. Yeah. And it's also like, it's weird because I think that's sometimes why like 
if you think about it, how lucky we are of like, you know, the access we have to like food and water. I mean, not every single person, like, but you know, it, as a country, as a whole, like the fact that we have like, or just even personally, if you have shelter, if you have food, if you have water, if you have clothes, you start spiraling out about really fucking dumb shit. Exactly. Everything is taken care of. So it's like, think about like, if all you were trying to do was like survive, like you don't even have time to worry about like the drama of like, who's my best friend. No, exactly. It's like, that's like all of like, so many of these issues that I think we deal with and like these fears and these anxiety, <laughs> I just tried to merge anxiety and insecurity into one word, insecurity. Um, oh, that actually sounds great. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it like, but all these insecurities, all these anxieties, it's like, I think those only have space to move into your brain because they're not, your brain's not occupied with being like, it's raining and I don't have shelter and I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. Cause you'd think that, Oh, if we had all this stuff, we would like, come together and like yeah like this sounds so cliche but like have world peace or something (laughs) and we're like i feel like we're rotten like we keep getting worse and worse yeah maybe it's just because yeah it's that need to like get shelter and get food just then lends itself into capitalism of just like i need to buy more and consume more this is yeah this is real and dark yeah. honestly <laughs> this, is, this is it's so dark it's so I find dark this stuff like so in a weird way soothing like i find stuff that's like um like i i it actually relaxes me to think about like things that are almost like what's the word when it's like not apocalyptic but when you start getting into there's a word when you start getting like, into what when you start getting into things that are like like the the world as a dark I can't think of it it's like nihilistic maybe that's what it is what is it called I'm sorry I'm googling it no please google it. it called when um I'm literally putting what is it called when the world is dark <laughs> and when I'm running Bo, Bo Burnham I feel like uh, I, I forget. I, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's like when you feel like the end of the world is coming and it's like, you're in this like, Oh, now I know what word you're trying to say. And I can't think of it. Yeah. Like, <sighs> By the way, what if you edited everything out of this podcast, <laughs> except me trying to um, <laughs> find this word and like you blackmailed me and you're like, I'm going to release this. It's, it's just, I tried to record a podcast with Jimmy and he tried to think of one word for an hour and we never talked about anything else. No, but it's like, it's like the entire concept of melancholia. Like, did you see that movie? No, it's, it's good. It's very sad. It's like, Kristen, it's like Kirsten Dunst and like the world is ending. And it's just about that feeling of like foreboding and like, yeah. Yeah. But it is like, I guess it is nice to think about. I, I've been thinking about it because like the world feels so bad right now. But like my favorite thing to do is go to a restaurant and those feel really crazy. To, to, yeah. So I'm like, like even last night, like my friend Melissa is like leaving town for two months. And so she just had some friends like get dinner together, like to hang out before she leaves. And just like seeing like being in a restaurant with like 10 people, like just like 
eating a bunch of like really delicious food and like hanging out, I was like having, I was like so happy. And I was like, I've been like so anxious and depressed up until this moment because like the world feels bad yeah. and I'm going to go back to that probably tomorrow. And like, it's, it's, it's just like a weird thing to like the juxtaposition of the two things. And I don't really know how to reconcile it. Yeah. I'm sure you've been to this restaurant, but like, um, what you're saying makes me think of like this restaurant in Brooklyn that was dim sum. I think it was called dim sun or oh, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I haven't been yet, but I know what you're talking about. Oh my God, Jake. It was seriously like my favorite restaurant. Like I've ever been to, it was so delicious. Like I went there every chance I got, <laughs> but we went with a big group, like some of the, like the writers and, um, like uh, one of the writers, Gilly, her, a bunch of her friends were visiting from like California and it was just like such a good bonding experience. You know what I mean? Like there's something that happens when you're like share, especially like sharing food and, um, you know, we had one of those tables that spun. Oh, the best. Like, yeah, it was really the best. And And I think that that like, whatever that is, like the joy of like coming together and like sharing those things, even if like, (laughs) even if the world like does end and like, it's bad. Like, I think that like, I'll still have like people over to my shelter to like, yeah. <laughs> to like uh-huh. share a box of cheese that's I found or something, you know what I mean? Just yeah. like that community will still have, I, th- I guess what I was thinking was like the, it's like the joy of like coming together and doing that. Like obviously the food being delicious and the room being gorgeous, like help, but it is like about just like a group coming together and doing something as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that totally. there's like an innate magic to that. Mm-hmm. What, um, what, what, it, what, what, having lived in LA for a long time and then coming out to New York and living here, what were like the differences you felt in terms of like your social life and, and stuff like that? Um, well, I, it was an interesting time. Cause like I got to, I think I told you this, I got to New York on uh, in like Feb, early February when like the Omicron variant was like at its, at a 10. Yeah. So I like, I got off the plane, immediately got COVID. <laughs> um, and so spent like 10 days like quarantining. But then I actually, it was kind of the best thing that could ever happen. Cause then I could go out and, you know, people were still like going out and doing things. Um, but, um, I think just the vibe of New York socially is like, we're doing this thing. It's yeah. happening. Do you want to come? Yeah. Whereas like LA, LA, you can actually, maybe that's why I have an aversion to like plans that never happen because LA is very much like, like, Hey love, I miss you. Like, you know, dinner soon, question mark, like a week pass. It's like, it's like circling back. Like we got to grab, you know, it's just <laughs> never happening. And, and in New York, I felt like I was a different side of myself that was not planned. And partly cause like I didn't have as, as many friends or like, you know, at my relationship, my boyfriend was back home. So like, I, um, uh, like I remember one time someone was like, my neighbor was like, Hey, I'm going to this, um, dance party in, um, at union hall at midnight. Do you want to come? And I was just like, yes. <laughs> like it, it, it was immediate. like a yes. That was like, it was like, not like, let me check. Oh, that could be fun. It was just like, Yes. Yes, we're doing that. And it felt really like just freeing. Because it is. Yeah, I do. I think that that's my biggest. I mean, I love New York for a lot of reasons. I don't think I'll go to L.A. unless I had to for work. But like, I think that's my number one aversion is the lack of spontaneity. Like would I think crush me a little bit. Yeah. And you almost have to be because you're just like out with the people and doing things. And it's just the energy in New York. Like I totally see like why people love New York. Because like growing up. 
like I, anytime I went to New York as a kid, cause you know, Boston were only like four hours away. Totally. It always felt scared, not like scary. Like I'm scared, but it just felt overwhelming. Like I couldn't. Yeah. And maybe that's cause it's like, I would always go with a trip and like, it wasn't like I wasn't seeing New York culture. It was like, I was in some tourist trap, but, um, I really get it. Like just how it's like, it feels like you're at the center of the whole universe when you're there. I know. Like, it's so cool. The people are so cool. Yeah. It's funny to say that because it's like New York, it feels like you're at the center of the universe and LA feels like you're in a, it's like a microcosm universe. Like LA feels like this incredibly like insular little planet you're entering at least as an outsider. Like yeah. that's like when I go to LA, I feel like I'm like on a different planet a little bit. Like I'm like, oh, okay. Like everyone here works in the same industry and like vaguely knows each other or like knows someone who knows someone and New York. Yeah. It's like, doesn't feel like that at all. You know what I mean? There's like a hundred yeah. different industry, industries going on. It just feels like a very different thing. Yeah. LA is like a city of filmmakers, artists, like everyone's in entertainment. So it feels like, like it was so fresh to be in New York and you're meeting just like, interesting people and backgrounds totally. and it's like i also felt like at the um like if i was at a bar like in la when you're single like people are very passive like someone might be like standing far away and like kind of look at you and then look away and then like look at you again and, like <laughs> you like j just out of frustration you'll like go over and talk to them but in new york someone will come up to you and be like like, hey, I want to introduce myself. My name is Jared. I work in finance. I would love to dance with you and buy you a drink. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> they're so, New York guys are so aggressive. I think they're, um, cocaine is more popular here. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably part That's of so it. That's so funny. <laughs> so good. Um, okay. I could talk to you for hours, but we've come to the end. I like to, oh, I love it. I like to end by planning our next night out together, which will probably be when you come to New York or when I go to LA. I love that. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, but by the way, what is, um, your next LA trip? I think I'm going to try to do one. I think, so I'm in Scotland all next month and then I'm back. And I think I have to figure out what my work schedule is with like my like two projects I have going. Like I, I'm not sure what my work schedule is going to be, but once I know that, I'm going to schedule an LA trip for either sometime in the fall or the early 2023. Okay, cool. Well, I, I think I'll be there in September. So should we just let's do September? And yeah. Okay, Gorge. Okay. Wait, do you want to go to Dim Sum? The place. Should <gasps> oh my god. Because I've never been. Yes, I would love to take you there. I, ho I hope you love it as much as I do. Okay, perfect. So you'll come, we'll do Dim Sun and then maybe like a dancing moment after because we we didn't do any dancing or anything. We just did like a very nice, like mature dinner. Oh, I feel like it's only fair that we go to the Eagle. Perfect. That's it. We'll do dim sum and then go <laughs> go to the. Wait, wait, that is the worst combo. It's like <laughs> being so filled to the brim, just like reeking like, of MSG, <laughs> <laughs> and then dancing. Um, I love it. That will be super fun. I would love that, Jake. Okay, perfect. We will do that in September. Jimmy, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seaside. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible.